Security Hub Podcast. Simple podcast. For dudes, by dudes. But not, not for by dudes. Security Hub, you know, you take a knee, face out, sit down for a little bit, chill out, you know, listen to us. Cab, Paul, and Greg say some really stupid shit that'll make you laugh and smile. Security Hub, it's what you doctor ordered. Or gynecologist, or perhaps the you know the doctor that looks at your pee hole. One rule, it's mimosas by 11. Only one, only one rule, mimosas by 11. It's the single greatest thing you've ever said. And I would even say it's the brave. Right, this is probably going to be some horseshit propaganda for China. The news is like, hey, for some reason people think this is horseshit propaganda for China. Hey, valid point, Paul, but where else are people going to get riveting content and a consistent list of kill, marry, and fuck? I mean... No one's doing it, and someone has to provide it for the people. And that someone is us, Security Hall Podcast. Can we just get start the show, because I've got a major case of diarrhea. And Craig has joined us. He is recording, and now it is just... Ah, oh, come on, man. Making making my pee-pee no go soft. Laughter. There is only room for laughter. This week's bar well, has been heavy enough. Goes soft, at least this time I can be the docking <laughs> station. Initiate docking sequence! When we have production budget, the entire initial sequence is going to be CGI like Voltron. And then our, our lions are going to be like... Well, let's get a video going. Yeah, we need a. Oh, need a, we got Murph. Murph's Jennifer's already on. on. She's. You've got, I'm gonna drop our guest in. Here she Do comes. It. We've got our. You know, fuck Paul. He's gonna have to wait. And now it's Gregory, myself, and our guest, the one Jennifer Murphy, one each. <laughs> Hello. How Hello. are you this evening? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I have Gregory with us. Uh, it's uh, hey. it's officially no longer Professor Murphy. A pleasure. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you know, the first time somebody called me Professor, I like didn't know what to do. I was just like, nobody's ever do called me that before. What the you fuck actually have to, to salute. Say? You have to salute and you have to curtsy. <laughs> just, well, I, didn't, I was like, uh, are you talking to me? Like, what, who are you talking to? Professor <laughs> Murphy, I am Denny, and this is Greg, and we're both saluting and curtsying at the same time. <laughs> Thank you. Well, now I'm going to expect tradition. that treatment everywhere I go. 
A real it's the only way. It's in curfies. <laughs> uh, that's gotta be. Do you, is that the weirdest thing though? Like, holy shit, you're a professor. Like, you're a, you're a Renaissance woman. That's what you are. <laughs> holy shit. You're, you're like. You're like. <laughs> a MacGyver in the real. <laughs> oh. MacGyver, that's the first. You're the first one ever telling me MacGyver. I like it. <laughs> it's like at have that a point. Of Renaissance man. <laughs> the uh, 1990s uh, Danny DeVito movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're the only I'm two so people. Excited. The only two people that remember that movie. <laughs> Probably. Man, what, I think what Marky shame, Mark was, was in movie. it. Okay. I mean, pure cinema. Pure. <laughs> uh, I think Paul got uh, arrested. He's uh, not able to join us. He might drop in later. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when uh, you're out there stealing underpants. It runs in the blood. That, you just live in that trap life. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, well, Greg, you've been doing all right. I've been doing okay. Uh Jennifer, how are you? Or do you prefer Professor Murphy? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Jen or Jennifer's fine. Um, I'm good. Actually, I was uh, going to tell you, I got um, officially diagnosed with PTSD last week. So this is my first official therapy session. Oh, shit. Congratulations. Well, congratulations. I know. Thanks. I feel like I'm part of a club now. <laughs> You're part of a very prestigious group. We're like the Freemasons, but not as organized. <laughs> and, and not as culty. Not as culty. <laughs> yeah, uh, PTSD is... Uh, it's... It is... You know, uh, it's not so much uh, one of those rugby clubs or soccer clubs, but it is a good, tight community. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Greg and I have been members for a while. Uh, you will receive your official hat so, and jacket in the mail. Um, it'll be a jean jacket. So that's not like a white jacket with the, the buckles in the back. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nineteen eighty. It actually sets jeans. you up for success with a uh, Canadian tuxedo, as one calls it. <laughs> and the back, it's embroidered. It says, "No fireworks near me." <laughs> it's got a little cuff button to say I startle easily. Yeah. It's got it's got treat pouches. Pouches for all your treats. Uh, makes it sound like we're all diabetic. Never mind. <laughs> Which we probably will be, let's be honest. Fucking diabetes. Diabetes. The goal is to be number one. So type one diabetes. Let's do it. I'm going to go snort some sugar. You kids talk. Sexy <laughs> <Actually> sticks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's uh. so. So how inappropriate can we be? Professor Jen Murphy. <clears throat> you can be as inappropriate as you want. I mean, okay, so let's talk about are. boofing pixie sticks and how well that might go. As a, professor, as a professor, she would know. 
I recommend y'all's podcast to my students, so it's all good. Uh, yes! <laughs> Both awesome and really horrible. I know, right? <laughs> I warn them. I'm like, it's entirely inappropriate, but... If you don't have PTSD or emotional problems, you might. You might. You will after <laughs> this. <laughs> after the show, you will get them. <laughs> yeah. If you want PTSD, listen, listen to it when you're sleeping, because this one isn't for anybody that's woke. Mm. You know, we actually we actually got picked up by the Calm app. Um, now, if you have the Calm app, you can actually listen to Greg talk you to sleep if you need that in your life. Um, it's so ASMR please. too. So <laughs> it's gravity feed pixie sticks. In my butthole. <laughs> I boofed it. You know you soothing. want this. It's the, the most soothing thing. Um, <laughs> it's actually just three hours looped of me breathing heavily. <laughs> <laughs> Random quotes from Star Wars films. <laughs> <laughs> now there's this pod racing. Beep, beep. Two, two, two. Shout out to Calm App uh, and uh, Headspace. Uh, it's a great way to go to sleep. <laughs> oh, man. I usually go to sleep with copious amounts of alcohol. I do not anymore. I use my sleep medication, and I I really no. recommend it. <laughs> you know, alcohol is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, I would say from a... From a professional standpoint, it's a bad idea. It works, <laughs> but it will get worse. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very hypocritical and say, don't do as I do. <laughs> yes, Greg will show you all the ways not to cope, and then I'll come in and I'll show you what you should do. Oh, we got Paul Bearded Boy Strobel on. Yeah. <laughs> we got the entire crew now. Uh, Jennifer, you will have to quit your day job. We feel that you will have to be part of this show from here on out. Um, if it just works better, I mean, we need somebody to give us some credibility. So having a a professional healer, a author, and professor, I mean, you're just in. So you're in now. So welcome right. to the full. <laughs> I, I, I love not say, being given but... a choice. So this is perfect. It's. <laughs> well, kind of my mindset too nowadays <laughs> i didn't want to choose it's all right just tell me what to do i'm good <clears throat> might be your body but this is our choice gregory this is our <laughs> choice you don't have a say in the matter <laughs> we're gonna rule this thing worse than texas <laughs> the only thing you get to here. say is yes sir <laughs> greg we're actually going to sleep or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> Greg's actually pro- property now. Uh, yeah, I own him half the time and Paul owns him the rest of the time. <laughs> I feel like there's laws against that. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we are owned by the Taliban and we work out of Texas. We can do what we want. <laughs> Your feelings don't matter. <laughs> I yeah, I forgot to tell you guys. Um so we monetized, and believe it or not, the only people that wanted to pay were the Taliban. So uh, mid-roll so credits. So we're getting our money back. <laughs> uh, as, long as, we get some, as long as we get some of their sweet gear. Well, we're not. We're getting paid in Pakistani. 
Pakistani people? Outstanding. <laughs> Go I on. I won't settle for anything less than the real Bin Laden. Oh, yeah. It was the most lucrative deal we could have uh, hoped to have gotten. Uh, nobody else wanted to get us. Uh, and as always, Bad Dragon is still not answering any of the emails we send. Uh, but we're Despite their product it. line, they have some unscrupulous morals and they just really don't want to touch our show. <laughs> I'm kind of offended. Are you contacting them on Sunday? Because I feel like they have a Chick-fil-A policy in place. They definitely keep the same. I, I reach out to them all the time. Uh, Fine Christianization. <laughs> We're all about wolf dicks, but you get that heathenish shit out of here. You hear me? Wolf, wolf dicks are actually some of their best-selling toys out there. <laughs> the unicorn one is actually probably their top seller. So you guys do know that they like revitalized their website and everything recently, right? Like they're still kicking. Uh, the product that stood out to me with the new uh, reset was the Greg muzzle. I mean, I was yeah, a little yeah, taken back, that. but I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's you know, classy. they're willing to take our, nice our creative plump, ideas. Nice yeah. plump butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Every purchase comes with a t-shirt. It's just a picture of Greg's face frowning. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually tears. <laughs> Well, that's that's the lubrication you get with the Greg model. It's Greg's tears. It's uh... Greg's tears. <laughs> Eco-friendly. Oh man! And the soul missed, of a lobster. Missed you boys so much. Oh God! Just good to hear your so, voices again. Any new weapon purchases in the room? Uh. No, no, all mine were tragically lost in a boating accident. Yeah, I actually oh, sent all mine to David Chipman in advance. Uh, horrible idea, because I guess now he's not going to be in charge of the ATF. So hopefully he can send him back. But yeah, I sent everything to David well, Chipman. Well, just want to say, FN509 Tactical. Ooh. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Mmm, classy. You're getting a coyote pan or black? It's it's black. Oh, nice. You know, formal occasions. Yes. He likes some big and black. <laughs> well, I did get the full size. <laughs> now I'm just imagining all of Greg's firearms surrounded on a couch by this <laughs> new firearm. <laughs> uh, that's that's uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> My little 509 shrine. Oh. Oh, gosh. So much so much new nerd content out there. The new Dune. Jennifer, did you ever read uh, Dune? I read them ages ago, like high school. Yes, that's, that's when I first introduced myself to Dune, and I continued to nerd out over it. I think I've watched the original movie a very unhealthy amount. Uh, I think I can just about quote the entire fucking thing. <laughs> I have fallen asleep to that movie. <laughs> D- depending on the version and the amount, an unhealthy, an unhealthy amount could be once. <laughs> <laughs> just going to throw that uh, out there. Ding didn't do us a lot of favors. <laughs> don't, t- 
Don't don't talk about the sequels like that. <laughs> Look, still Star Wars. I'm just saying, I, I really enjoy sandworms. Uh, mm-hmm. I may or may not have been hoping to see them every time I deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan. <laughs> I may have may or may not have gotten an MTS every single day and written worm sign to the east. <laughs> Some lunch. At least, at least, Mr. McKenzie thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, we never grow up, do we? <laughs> we also rode red five standing by, like S four in attack all, position. All the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Every chance we could. Oh God. Everybody sign off your call signs. All right, here we go. Red five standing by. <laughs> red five standing by. <laughs> red Gator standing, standing by. by. Porkins standing by. Porkins standing by. <laughs> Jennifer's like, what the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> I did lie. I told I told Jennifer She's that we had just text button like Will. I'm gonna get You might have bamboozled I'm free. You might have bamboozled some people at that symposium. Yeah, we're a legitimate group that talks about <laughs> mental health and veterans and a lot of other shit. <laughs> I showed up there. over a lot of things. Mad Dragons, Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> human, human sex trafficking. We've touched a lot of things in the first five minutes, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. A young specialist. Uh, shout out to Specialist Story. Work, work goes, is calling. I will mute it, but I will be right back. <laughs> Right before we leave, like, hey, uh, Chief, can I get the name of that podcast? I'm like, ooh. <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it, kid. Here you go. <laughs> my kids are at church, and they're like, my dad's on a podcast, but we can't listen to it. <laughs> it's like, help. <laughs> no, it's Christian-based. It's <laughs> We talk about the Lord and outreach, I swear. <laughs> but no, if you're still listening out there... You guys know that it's 90% poop and cum jokes and some mental health sprinkled in there. It'll, it helps the medicine go down. <laughs> but now that we've done our catch up and fanboyed <laughs> over each other, Jennifer, please tell us about yourself. Oh, my goodness. Where do you want me to start? <clears throat> the formative years. The formative years. <laughs> Man, that was yesterday. Um see. So, yeah, so I grew up in the mountains of California, just outside Yosemite National Park. Um, And the way that we, it was great, honestly, it was like the best place in the world to be a kid. Um, You know, we ran like barefoot down to the river in our backyard and swung on pine trees. And like, it was just crazy. Um, Really, really cool place to be a young person. Um, (laughs) It was. That sounds like something out of like a, a healthy, wonderful, like Lifetime Channel movie. Yeah, and and yeah, it's not um, because the, the reasons that we were there. Um, so I I was born in the Central Valley down in Bakersfield, um, California, which is a whole other kind of um, hellhole on earth, but the uh, <laughs> crazy place. I um. When I was six, my brother was born, my middle brother, and my parents decided that they were going to join a metaphysical community. And that had started maybe a couple of years before that. And And what is that and what does that entail? Yeah, so... So the the worst kind of version of that kind of community is like a commune or a cult. 
(laughs) the worst kind of version. And it's really, you know, and I don't mean to paint it darkly because it really wasn't, but it was a different way of kind of being in a family. And so um, they were part of this community that just all shared a faith, shared a belief, shared some ideas, enjoyed sharing company with each other. And they just all decided they were going to go find a place in the mountains. And that's where they were all going to live. And so they, um, you know, to hear my parents tell the story now, I just like, it just sounds so insane to me. Um, They drove around this one area of the mountains with, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what a pendulum is, but it's basically a stone at the bottom of a, it's like a divining tool and it goes right for yes and left for no. And so you can use it for, for divining apparently. And so this is how they, like, as it would say yes, they would drive that direction until it would say no, and then they'd go the other direction. And that's how they found the community that they decided we were all going to buy houses in. And so (laughs) I heard this story. I didn't know that part of the story until I was much older. I was just like, you fucking kidding me? Like, that's how we... This is how my twenty-something-year-old parents' decision made. What the hell? How I are mean, they still alive? That's to pretty be much honest. how all twenty-somethings make decisions. Well, yeah. Yeah. that's a better way to make a decision. I think that's how, like, our government made the decision to invade <laughs> Iraq. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Quick segue. So I've told this story before. The way I picked my college is I walked in after I got out of the army and said, "Can I go here for free?" And they said, "Yes." Yeah. And that was exactly <laughs> what I did. Seems legit to me. <clears throat> That's how some of the best stories start. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, but yes, please continue. Yeah, so <clears throat> we end up in this house. My so my dad's a carpenter by trade, and my mom doesn't work. Um, and she's got this baby, of course, and so who I, by the way, hated. Like, did not want this child to be born. Um, the morning they woke me up that he was born and they said, your your baby brother's coming. And I was just like, did he have to come so early? Like, I was just not thrilled about the idea of this child showing up. <laughs> it's like, fuck, um, man. <laughs> God. And so he's a great man now. We get along fine. But I'm just like, for his, his baby years, it was not a good thing. Um, but <clears throat> so my mom's at home and my dad's going out and hustling carpentry work and um, we're living in this house that was a summer cabin, and we live at just over 4,000 foot elevation. So that means we're going to get snow. Yeah. Um, both of my parents are city kids. Um, don't, you know, they've been camping, but don't know how to live in rough weather. Um, and so our first winter was cold. <laughs> like my dad was going <laughs> up the hill to literally cut trees down to bring them down into the house and Fucking make lumberjacks. Yeah, he was. And he he was just like snow hit the ground and he was like, oh, my God, it stays. Like, I thought this went away. Like It was this whole just what the hell do we get into situation. Um, and so we made it through the first few winters there and, you know, my parents were still part of this community and there was, you know, just a lot of, you know, friendships happening and and good, you know, positive things happening, um, all the way kind of through that. But, 
Um, then my mom had another baby, and I was just like, "What the fuck, like, what, um, lady? Another one? <laughs> what's going on? Why are you giving these? Why do we need more children in this house?" So or lumberjacking. Um, I know, just really kind of crazy. And so it was just at that point in my life, though, my mom went back to work, and so I had to start caretaking for my brothers. So I was uh, seven and nine years older than them, roughly. Um, and so we, you know, and it was, it was just the three of us and my parents were fully credit me for that. She's like, well, you raised your brothers for like eight years. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and so I spent a lot of time just, you know, kind of watching them, hanging out with them. We played a lot of GI Joe. I think that's what <laughs> my later career in the army. I fucking yeah. love that show. And so I was like, we played a lot of that. Um, and, you know, again, just like ran around in the woods, swam in the creeks, um, you know, all that good kind of stuff. And then um, around the age of 12, I had these two really good girlfriends and my, I was able to kind of start being my brothers were going into school and I was able to start not having to be with them all the time. And um, my, I had these two really good friends that I was hanging out with and we were um, at one of my girlfriend's parents house with these two girls and uh a couple other of our friends and one of them was like, do you want to drink? And I was like, hell yeah. And <laughs> <course>. so <laughs> we, we went and we like did one of those deals where you pour a little bit of all the alcohols in the cabinet into one bottle and it tastes mm. like, I don't even we, know how to describe yeah, it. To we exciting. call that the, the Greg go to sleep cocktail. Um, oh my God. Works, yeah. Works every time. Mm-hmm. So you and can. so we did one of those deals. <laughs> We did one of those deals and all my friends are drinking it and they're just like, oh my God, this is disgusting. I don't want any more of it. Oh my God. So it gets to me and I'm like really hesitant to take this thing. But I, I, that was, I think, when I reflect on that, the first moment I knew that alcohol was going to be my best friend for a long time. Wow. And so <laughs> I, I took a up, drink. Buckaroo. Yeah, I was just like, here we fucking go. Like, so I take that first friend in me. (laughs) And I'm in like, this is the best thing I've ever had. I mean, really? And so um, I don't think any of my other friends drank any more of that that night, but I did Um, drink a lot of it and woke up the next day, like hating how I felt, but also loving how I felt because it was pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was the day I became an alcoholic at age 12. Um, and I decided that like from there on out, like whatever I could to do to drink, I would. Damn. And so, um, and it was, did alcoholism run in the family at all? Yeah, it did. Um, my grandparents, uh, well, yeah, my grandparents on my dad's side both were recovered alcoholics. My um, grandfather had actually been sober for 50 years um, and my grandmother for 25. And uh, and it was and I remember my grandmother being drunk like when I was growing up, like I remember that vividly. Um, but I don't remember my grandfather, obviously, ever. <clears throat> and uh my dad um, has is he's alcoholic. Um, he is okay with that. Like I hate to say it that way. Um, my dad's a really good guy, and I don't like. I, there's no weird daddy issues there that I've uncovered in therapy yet. Um, but the, <laughs> but like, yeah, always got to throw that disclaimer out there, uh, right? I know. Anymore, it's like I just like get to know my yeah. darker self. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so my and my dad's alcoholic. Um, and so it was not really a surprise. Like 
you know, decades later when it dawned on me that, oh, I think I'm a fucking drunk. Like, maybe yeah. I have a problem that every single problem in my life goes back to alcohol. I don't know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and so, yeah, so it was, and so I went through my high school years and, you know, it was around that, I mean, actually I had discovered boys in the second grade. Like I thought y'all were fun. Um, really enjoyed the male company, um, <laughs> starting at age seven, however the fuck old you are in second grade. Um, that's that's, that's what... actually around us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when Greg and I first found boys too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Second grade, I was like, what are these creatures? <laughs> oh. Paul matured much later. He, he found him at 13. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a child at 15, though. (laughs) 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 The fact bombs always blow up the best. (laughs) The truth is the funniest. It hurts the most. I discovered boys at 13, but I pumped a baby out at 15 with a female. It was weird. I don't know what happened. And that's why he went back to boys. Yeah, it was a blur. It was a rush. <laughs> Girls are dangerous. They cost money. <laughs> Dudes. Uh, <laughs> Can't get the right. little boy pregnant. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so I was not getting any little boys present. Any little boys pregnant. Deep, but... deep breaths, Jen. Deep <laughs> breaths. You'll make it through this. <laughs> I feel like it's the same line you use on little boys, Greg. Mm. <laughs> Definitely get an Epstein now. Definitely get an Epstein. Yeah, I'm going to get Epstein. <laughs> Greg's superhero. Just to be clear, little boys would be like 19 or 20 from the Philippines. Yes. It's size. Little boys in size. Physical size, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Moonlight We're the worst people in the world as a Filipino crime fighter and he drives around in a small Econoline van just picking up small men and <laughs> handing candy out to children My that's, that's truck. <laughs> oh please Jen continue we're gonna get, <laughs> we're gonna get down this this rabbit hole oh so around that same time in my life, probably early, but it all kind of comes together for me. Um, my I was starting to realize that like my parents were well, I wasn't even I knew it, but it was starting to hurt more. I think like just hit a little harder. Like my parents were incredibly poor. Yeah. And <clears throat> there were absolutely times that you know it was paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes those paychecks didn't meet in the middle. Um, and we would often have like power cut off or the phone cut off. And it was just one of the, and, you know, to buy new clothes was like a, you know, just impossible feat. My grandmother actually did a lot of that for us as we were kids. Um, and you know, there was absolutely, you know, tension in the home, stress in the home. I am happy to report my parents just celebrated their 48th anniversary though. So they made it through it all those crazy kids. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) which is why after my first divorce, my mother was like, what did I do wrong? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Just, just hold on, mom. There's probably more coming. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so, but I, I was trying to realize. Uh, no worries. Yeah, yeah. 
There's more in the pipeline. Don't worry about it. Um, I had a, I was just like, this is not the life I want to live when I grow up. Like, this is not the kind of adulthood I'm going to have. This is the kind of family circumstance I'm going to create. Like, this is just not who I want to be. Yeah. And so I, I had made a decision at some time right around then that, like, I'm doing everything to, I can to get as far away from here as fast as I can. And so I told my mom, um, I was like, I'm going to college in Maine because that is as far as I can possibly get away from you all. Fuck. And like, I, and I was just angry. I was like really angry at them for creating this circumstance. And um, my, when I was 13, my dad was in a, a car accident that just about killed him. Um, he was um, helicoptered from the accident site. His truck had flipped like seven to 10 times and he was thrown out of it, um, kind of ripped his forehead off of his head. And it was really gross um, and just horrible. And so at that time we lost our house, um, had to kind of take the charity of a really kind neighbor who had a rental that was open. She didn't need rent on for a few months, you know, just a kind of crazy, you know, unstable like feeling unstable as a kid situation and I was just like this instability is not okay and I decided you know at that point I needed to be in control of everything in my life yeah and so my parents kind of abdicated that to be honest they were I mean I was getting good grades I was showing up when I was supposed to show up I was as far as they knew not do into anything bad and so they were like just kind of free to trust me to make my own decisions um, and it wasn't that I wasn't without any supervision, but it just, I took, I took on responsibility early for a lot of the things in my life. And, um, my, <clears throat> I also started dating older men at that time. Um, yep. I was just like, I feel like an adult, therefore I should be dating adults. You know, um, it's, it's the same thing. This is like we're yeah. we have the same exact story, all of us yeah. so far. Yeah. Uh, Greg Even started dating, dating older, older men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, but there's there's a common thread. The uh, the the complete uh, fucking feeling of just being dirt poor and what that feels like, mm-hmm. and wanting to just completely push that the fuck away and it's like trying mm-hmm. to remove yourself from that environment completely like i have met so many people that are in my inner group that's like yeah dude we grew up with fucking nothing and the last thing mm-hmm. that i was gonna do was be part of that same scenario yeah. and um yeah, yeah i did it older guys too like reg <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i literally grew up in the same you know my grandmother's the one that took us shopping for clothes you know uh, for the new school year or whatever um found out that they pretty much fronted my parents on just about everything mm-hmm. and uh yeah you know but no i mean the same thing i was i was a straight a student like no issues in school did my best to you know make everything work out well and be there for school and you know found the value and importance in it you know my grandfather was a a civil engineer and all that crap. So, you know, he's just kind of, Hey, go do this. And then I joined the army straight out of high school. <laughs> I early and was like, fucking I'm good. <laughs> I'm in college now and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how old, how old were you when you started dating older people? I was uh... 15. <laughs> <laughs> So was I. Um, 
<laughs> it was 14, 15. Um, and it was, you know, well, first how much was, older though? Well, yeah, I mean, it was at first it was just a little bit. And then when I was like 16, I was dating a 21, 22 year old. Yep. That's a couple times. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when I look back on it now, like seriously, I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with those guys? Yeah, Why in the hell would they want to be with a 16-year-old? <laughs> yeah, that's that's those are creepers. <laughs> you were probably legit more mature than those guys were and still I'm are. sure of it. Yeah, it just it does kind of creep me out sometimes when I think back yeah. to that. Oh my god, if that had been my daughter, holy fuck, no way. Right? <laughs> they, they'd never yeah. find the body. I know. I am so glad I had a son. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm, I'm <laughs> have a boy. See, this is where I would argue that they would find the body because I would definitely fucking string them up in a public place with a nice little sign that says ped- pedophile around their neck. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to find the fucking body. We're, we're going Starship Troopers, Capital Punishment. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, and, and not to get real dark, but karma does what it does because one of them is dead. So I, oh, I don't wow. know. So. Well, <laughs> that's not dark. It's not dark at all. That's, don't that's remember you can't you can't admit oh, no, to things you've stop, done. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not that one's not mine. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So, I mean, through high school, like, you know, I was, I was a cheerleader. I was a decent student. I was dating these older responsible men. Um, and I was on top of the world. Yeah. You know, life was good. I bought my first car. It was a 1979 Staub. The thing was built with pink, like, and thank God, because September 17th, um, I don't know why I remember the date. I couldn't tell you what year it was, but I um, rolled my car off the road. Um, I had three friends with me and um, fucked up my neck and my back um, oh, doing that. Um, and which has bothered me ever since. Like, it's never been right since that accident. Um, but I <clears throat> so I totaled my car. And so then I had this like really fun little car that we bought. And I'm trying to remember what the thing awesome, was called yeah. even. Um, but it didn't have, like, it was a stick shift, but it didn't have an attached stick shift. It had a copper pipe that, Ooh. like, you had to hold on to to shift it. Oh, and it's, a welding truck. And, I lived, <laughs> and so I lived in the mountains with windy roads and hills, and so you're constantly downshifting and, and you know, shifting again. And, I you know, you'd be on a corner downshifting, and the fucking pipe would come off, and you're, like, mid-gear, so you can't do Jesus. anything. <laughs> So I got really good at driving a stick shift during that time. Um, But so, I mean, life was just, it was a little weird the last couple of years of high school. I was ready to be done. I was ready to be on the next phase of my life. Um, I had resigned myself to doing community college um, just for financial reasons. And so I did, I I graduated and I was, um, off to junior college and I was dating a, I don't know, I think he was three or four years older than me at the time. And I feel like I'm missing people in the middle there somewhere, but, I'm not. um, but either way, 
I went through this kind of series of relationships in those first two, couple of years of college, and um, then I had a and I had a really good friend die in the middle of all of that. She was in a um, jeep that flipped over with the top off, and she wasn't wearing her seatbelt. And so, there's your lesson for seatbelts, kids. Um, you gotta wear them. Yeah. And so I, um, I went through like, just, I was almost done with junior college and I was, um, dating this guy and I, uh, decided that I was going to take some time off because I was just not feeling like I was in a good space. And I was drinking really heavily at the time. Casual imagination. Um, it's very routine. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, and I just, and I was, I don't know, I was just in the space was like, I don't like, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. Like I'm still in this goddamn town. Why am I still fucking here? <laughs> and I don't want to do, you know, all these things are going on. Um, I ended up, I was engaged to the, that guy that I was with at that time for a little while. That was my first of five engagements, super addicted yeah. to the idea of love, not real into sustaining it. In my past, yeah. So <laughs> we, we we too have struggled with that. <laughs> I, I just want—I need someone to love me. Fill this pit, please. Yeah. Love me. There's a hole inside, yeah. and then as soon as you have it, all right, leave. Get out of here. <laughs> I can't trust you with these dark secrets. Get out of here. <laughs> I miss the pain. <laughs> <laughs> This will be the next mindful minute. <laughs> when oh, to, how do you know you're ready for a love? <laughs> you're oh, not. You're not. <laughs> Don't. Oh. Yeah. So, um, I, and I'll be honest with you, that whole time period of my life, like, it's such a like gooey mess in my brain as like when things actually happened. But I know that I was like aged there for a while and then I was. And then I moved out with a friend and then I met someone else and I moved in with him. Whole saga. And um, right about then the army called. And they were like, hey, so we'll pay for your last two years of college if you'll just <laughs> go to Fort Knox, Kentucky for six weeks. And I was like, oh, all right. That sounds like a great deal. And that was literally the total totality of the conversation. That's when I made my decision to join the army. So that's almost uh, that's almost like it was for me, except they, that's a they came to me. Better excuse than I have. They started <laughs> like my recruiter straight up tried. I got to give it to him. He tried. He was like, "Homie, listen, your ASVAB's good. Your GT score, it's solid." why do you want to be infantry? And I was like, ah, fucking, let's go fucking be in the army. We're going to be in the army. Let's be in the army. And he was just like, bro, I'm serious. And I was like, yeah, me too, dog. He's over there limping around. He's like, I was a paratrooper. I fucked my knee up. Don't do it. And I was just like, nah, bro. Like, that sounds perfect. Let's go. You're like, so cool. Sign me up. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do here. (laughs) Yeah. Mine tossed me a towel, told me to clean up and, uh, Go downstairs. Might have a ship out in a few days. It's a horrible time. <laughs> that sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> I had that recruiter. <laughs> His name was Bert. <laughs> All right, yeah, kid. No, not mine. Looks like you got what it takes. 
Here's a towel. <laughs> this is what everybody has to do to get in the military? Nah. Not at all. <laughs> oh. So they got you with the old, we'll pay for college. Works yep. every time. They did. And so <laughs> the bigger picture was it was through ROTC at Fresno State um, in California. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and ironically, I, like I grew up in the same county that Good Tim referred to in his story. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, I come down out of the mountain to now live in the big city of Fresno. Um, and is it a big <clears> city, though? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I fucking hate Fresno. I'm be honest with you. That place it's is horrible. terrible place. It's there, there's a lot of poop there. There's a lot of human yeah. shit on the streets. There's a lot there. of poop. It's a disgusting city. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> a fan. You can back out all you want. Um, so, <laughs> so by this time, like I had, I don't know. So when I was in college, I had, I did not know what the fuck I wanted to do. Up, no fucking idea. And so I was just bound, like, I got a liberal arts associates degree um, because you can do a fucking lot with a liberal arts associates degree. And so then I, um, and so when I went into the last two years to get my bachelor's, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I want to major in. I don't want to major in business. That's fucking boring. Um, Like, what do I want to do? And so I... I decided I was going to be an ag, um, an ag business major because farming's super huge in my family. I was like, I'm just going to take over the family farm. Now, mind you, I have never once expressed interest in this to anybody in my family ever before. This is not something I'm being groomed for. I don't know where the fuck this idea even comes from. I have no interest whatsoever in farming. But I'm like, that's what I should do. I'm going to major in ag business. Um, so that's how I started my coursework. And then I was like, this is stupid. Um, I don't like this at all. And I was talking with a friend and, um, she was majoring in criminology and I was like, I mean, that sounds like a good major. I'll go do that. Um, so that's how I switched my major to criminology. Um, and so I, that's what I ended up getting my bachelor's in and about, I don't know. So this may or may not give you some insight into me, like my absolute class in that degree program was the one it's called um abnormal psychology but it's really a study of serial killers and so that was a class i did the best in and that was my favorite (laughs) so um but i you know i took i got this major i was just like i don't really want to focus on this part of society and so you know i was going into branch selection um which I don't think they really pay attention to, but I was going into branch selection for, you know, finishing out my program when I was a senior. And um, they're like, you know, you want to go military police, you're criminology. I I don't like that doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Please. And so I ended up picking um, just ordinance corps um, to go do maintenance shit. Nice. And so I. um, You'll have that on them big jobs. Yeah, so I, so yeah, so I just um, didn't want to do anything with criminology really, but that's where I did end up getting a degree in that. Um, and me and all the football players, that's how I always thought that was really funny. All the football players are in that program. Um, <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. It was really important for you to know. <laughs> yeah. 
I, that's I, all I thought of a joke, it. but I don't. I don't want to say because I don't. Like, I don't want to insult you for the degree you chose. Tell me how you took the easy way out without telling me you took the easy way. Out. <laughs> <laughs> J- J- Jennifer, could you help me read? <laughs> oh man! So yeah. handcuffs. <laughs> I like handcuffs and concussions. <laughs> So that makes me think I should probably back up in my story for a second, too, because because like so one of the things that was like ever present in my childhood, like there was always pot in my childhood and and a lot of other things, too. Like I absolutely saw stuff I should not have seen as a three and four year old yeah. kid Methamphetamine. um yeah you know? Delicious. <laughs> i mean we had my when we Makes were a bit older yeah god i mean when we were a bit older my dad one of my dad's best friends actually um my dad caught him like shooting morphine in our or not morphine but um heroin i don't know where morphine came from heroin in our <laughs> bathroom um Same and i got some morphine too god damn right <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> Yeah. And so just like it was, you know, drugs were just always in the backdrop of my life. And so when I was like the D.A.R.E. program was super big um, yeah, when I was yeah. in grade school. <laughs> right? resist drugs and alcohol, kids. God, oh biggest waste of money ever. <laughs> I forgot about um, that stupid shit. Yeah. So the sheriff's like in the classroom with us and he's got they used to bring the drug board in, like with a sample of all the drugs on it like actual things and so you could see what it really looked like right and so i'm looking at this board and um and i see like a bag of weed and i'm like oh my dad's got a lot of that and (laughs) the sheriff like looks at me and he's like sweetie your daddy doesn't want me to do that i'm like oh this isn't legal like i'm cleaning it this this isn't in everybody's house all right because it was just never talked about like that in my house and so and i never i i you know grew up for a long time not knowing not thinking really that um weed was a big deal and then all of a sudden like that narrative shifted in my head when i realized that it was quote unquote bad and so I, um, I got very resentful yeah, at my parents so. because there was always weed and beer in the house, but we might not always have a lot of food in the fridge, you know? Yeah. And so um, I got Eat very angry weed, about kids. that. Yeah, <laughs> right? Is that a brownie, sweetie? Um, <laughs> and so I... Uh, There's all these delicious baked goods. Don't touch them, Jen. <laughs> uh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> it's horrible. It's yeah. so funny. At the same time, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Now, so then in high school, I got busted for smoking weed. I was, and it was, I got in trouble really for. Two years. So I was on, yeah, you know, on campus. And I was in my cheer uniform, um, and so I got in trouble for that. And smoking my, it was super, I know, super funny because when I got home that day. My mom was like, <laughs> she, I walk in the house and she's standing there with her hand on her head and she's like, 10 fucking feet and you would have been off campus. <laughs> I was just like, that's not the response I expected. <laughs> you that, know? Is, that is what's important. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my Location, God. Location, so, 
location. And, location. <laughs> and so we went on to have a much more robust talk from there. But yeah. um, like, she was just like, that, that just made it so much worse. Um, so I got kicked off the cheer squad for a little while and I had to like petition the school board to be reinstated. And there was this whole, and I was just like, you know what? I don't really like people telling me what to do, which made my decision to join the army very strange. Um, but I was just like, I don't, I don't like this feeling. And so, um, I was starting to set some, some narratives in my head or start to like build the stories that were going to start to drive my behavior for the rest of my life, which was. I don't want people telling me what to do. I want to, I make my own fucking decisions. God damn it. And I am going to get as far away from here as I possibly can. And so, you know, like this is not the life I'm going to live. And so success started, (laughs) success started to take shape for me, what that was supposed to look like. (laughs) And I started to build a, a picture in my head of like the suburban house with the white picket fence and the Labradors in the yard and the husband that just does what I fucking tell him to do and mm-hmm. kids and, and you know and I, the I Mexican help lady like, named Rosa yeah <laughs> and like and in this scenario I am one hundred percent in control <laughs> that's what success looks like and so um, you know and and again like through all of this like drinking is just part of everything I do I mean all the way through college I partied my ass. Um, and I had to support myself as well. So I, I was telling um, Daryl this the other day. I was just like, I was working 40 hours a week. My last semester of college, I took 27 credits at the same time. And somehow I was getting completely fucked up on a routine basis and not dying. Like, how did that happen? Um, it seems not humanly possible. Um, but that was You're my wizard. last semester at school. <laughs> What? We have the technology. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, I can't stay up. Oh, wizard, Jenny. Days, so. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a lot of partying with, and the ability to keep everything afloat, juggling everything like that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some would and call it, that a functional. Welcome to my life. <laughs> Greg just taking notes and kind of smacking himself on the forehead. Like, wait, wait, I'm not not around football players or dating old men, older men right now. So maybe okay, where's this gonna go? This is what I'm know, gonna be like doing next in? week. <laughs> I mean, that's that's imp- that's impressive for being you know for being younger mm. and being able to manage all of that. You know, like it. But I mean, it's it's. I, I have to say, from personal experience, it's one hundred percent possible. Mm-hmm. So I, shit, I, I, you know, I'm going to school full time right now. I work ten days on with two days of fucking travel, and then two days where I actually get to chill out at the house a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and and every day is at least thirteen to fourteen hours of work. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's doable, but yeah, it sucks. You know. Yeah. Breakdown right around the corner. Can't wait. Yeah. 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 I have, like, I think throughout my story, like these moments, I call them what the fuck moments, where, <laughs> like, it's, you know, it is like some sort of breakdown. Like, it's a yeah. spiritual breakdown or an emotional breakdown or a physical breakdown that, you know, was a signal that, like, shit was not okay, you know? 
And I used to describe it. So, um, you know, a spoiler, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Um, so for, um, in how, in how many years, uh, in recovery. Uh, spoiler, so I'm an active alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, working on that, Greg. We're working on that. Yeah. So this year was <laughs> this year was 18 years. Holy shit. Congratulations. Awesome. Yeah. That is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um I have been an active alcoholic for 18 years. How weird. <laughs> We're working on that. I, I, I cannot wait until I can actually say what you just said, though. I, I just don't have, uh, I just don't have it in me right now. Yeah, and that's okay. That that's a, that when it when you're ready, we are here. Are we talking about my virginity again? That too. <laughs> <laughs> That's been gone for years. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to pop that bubble, Greg. But it's, that's gone. <laughs> yeah, I hate to tell you that. Uh, you, you don't just become a virgin after a couple days of not having sex. <laughs> when that older guy said it would come back, that was no. a lie. <laughs> Uncle Rico was lying, Gregory. <laughs> but it's fair you took the candy, so. <laughs> Oh yes, yes. Oh. Um, so I forgot where I was in the story. Um, the uh, what the fuck moments? In oh the yeah, so yeah, so I mean, you know, kind of starting, you know, going through that whole cycle of just you know partying and going crazy and just not stopping, and certainly encountering red and warning signs, and you know the things were not just right and. And I would just, I wasn't treating myself. I mean, it was all the PT shit that the army needed, but otherwise was not treating myself well on any, um, you know, romantically, physically, what I was putting in my body, um, you know, <laughs> however you want to take that. Um, yeah. And I just was like, it was a, just a not a great. And um, I was, I don't know. So when I went into the, when I had made the decision to join the army, it's like, you know, this will be, um, this at least provides some direction. Like that was, it was the biggest like plus I could find for it. But then quite honestly, when I got into it, what it woke up for me was just a whole other part of me that I didn't, like, I knew existed, but I really hadn't been feeding at all. And that was just a sense of competitiveness. <laughs> it was Definitely competitiveness because I was like, I don't she like studying serial killers. <laughs> yeah. and I know. Got competitive. I know. Poor Daryl. Um, so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> um, so, um, we are actively monitored. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> FBI agent. John Sims just slid into the server. Seventy-five percent of our listener base is DHS and FBI. Don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that they have a choice. I know. <clears throat> um, so we're still trying to get we're still trying to get Epstein's hit mail though, and it hasn't happened yet. So if you're listening, I hang easy. I have a feeling he's going to visit me tonight. <laughs> 
before I go to bed every night, I take the time to stand on a chair right next to a support beam. Really stretch out. <laughs> Holy shit, what if like a protective measure to saving your life if somebody's actively coming at you? Is it you create a suspension system from Hollywood, you know, that's nice and hidden? And you f- fucking sleep hanging yourself. <laughs> so somebody comes in, like, you know, and they're just like, ah, fuck, he already did it. Damn it! Like, Johnson beat me too. God it. damn it! You know, fuck! <laughs> I think I just... That's what... <laughs> that's what Bin Laden should have done, idiot. That's how Hillary, that's how Hillary Clinton sleeps at night, but... <laughs> <laughs> you, but you she know, hangs if, from her feet. She hangs from her feet. Get it, if we could get it to slightly do the choking sensation, we might have a totally different market <laughs> for this idea. <laughs> James Garrett, two boys. Subscribe and we'll give you new methods. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button and we'll send one to your house free of charge. <laughs> oh shit! Oh god! Recorded the market, boys. <laughs> Where were you when you first know you? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody out there just realized that slightly being choked during intercourse may or may not feel good. <laughs> Slightly is a figurative term. <laughs> it's really your opinion. 20 problem. years. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> if it's loose enough to say you're safe, word, years, I will you be can sure. go harder. If, if your wife shows up at home tonight and asks you the choker ever so gently, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> oh, God. I swear we don't have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're like the worst oh. podcast because people open up and share really emotionally things and we're like hey you know you choke yourself and get off it's kind of cool <laughs> like oh not where I was going with that but alright remember it's 90% poop and cum jokes 10% mental health Ah. <laughs> uh. I where deeply were we? apologize, Jed, <laughs> for all of the great jokes. Oh, um, yeah. So, so I so I started my military career, what have you? Went to I did a we do a program at the time we did a Knox, and then you do one at Fort. Um, oh fuck, the <laughs> one up in Washington State, Lewis. Um, yes. so we're at Lewis for another one, and I then, believe that was basic training and advanced individual training. Um, yes, and so mm-hmm. then we went from there to um, we would if you got picked up for this program, you would go and do an rotation somewhere in an active base before your senior year. And so I got picked to go to Korea. Oh, um, nice. which was an awesome place to be an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, um, so juice. <laughs> yeah so i got that so i went there i was there for six weeks um at suwon air base which is uh, so bad like it's just so bad um but uh i was there and it's kind of on the tip southern in southern in south korea um but i of course like i didn't hang around with the officers that i was supposed to hang around with i went and found the enlisted which were way more fun. 
Um, and so we would go out all the time and go downtown and go party and drink and be have debauchery and all kinds of fun stuff. And um, and so that's really kind of how I spent my six weeks. I don't remember <laughs> learning anything really from the army about leadership, which is what I was supposed to be there learning about. Um, I got counseled by the commander because I was partying all the time. Um, but yeah, um, she was, I, I thought what, you know what I took away and this ability because I wasn't working on professional. Um, I like, I don't, I wish that she would have said something earlier in the process and that, and the reason I say that is how often people observe behavior, observe, behavior, observe behavior, and then like when it gets to a point where it's a problem, you know, and something manifests, then you say something. And I think that can serve for, you know, things that you see that you might be but also like behavior is an indicator of what's going on in the rest of your life. And so the yeah. way that I was behaving, certainly an indicator that's not right, you know, it was yeah. completely, you know, terrible conduct. Um, and so, you know, it kind of, that, you know, as I grew in my leadership, you know, later, that became kind of a theme for like, you know, recognizing early signs of stuff and, you know, trying to catch problems a little earlier. I think that also really spoke to my need to control every fucking life. And so I was like, if I can warnings, I can control it even better. Um, and so, you know, I just, I, you know, I started to, to understand that I really enjoyed human behavior and then figuring out how that can help myself and other people. And that was really the first time I started to. And so, um, you know, so I left Korea and I was, I was just like, all right, I gotta get my shit together. I gotta stop drinking so much. I got, you know, I, I gotta stop doing this. And, and really that was the first time that I kind of thought, I'm gonna stop. And then I, that lasted, I mean, probably 15 minutes. Like that, it was not a long period of time where I was good. Um, and so I, you know, resumed habits, um, finished my senior year, of course, and then commissioned, um, and was commissioned an ordinance officer. And so Lieutenant, um, headed off to Aberdeen Proving Ground. And so, um, went to my officer basic out there. I was engaged for the second time at that, um, and that broke up because um, he decided, that, I mean, I was 22, um, he was 23, he decided he wanted um, so he started dating his little sister while we were engaged, and I was a, um, I also basic course, and I was just like, I'm so, yeah, we're done, um, but I really liked being an officer basic course, because I found a lot of drink like me. Um, and so Wait, there was. You said he started dating a, a little sister. Who who's little yeah. sister? Yeah. Huh? Who like did your, you start dating? Yours or his? No, no, no. A friend of his little sister. Oh. Yeah. No. Yeah, you broke so, up for yeah. a little bit. Oh, oh. It, yeah. it broke up in the worst possible place. It was either yeah. his little sister <laughs> yeah. or your little sister. I was like, oh, you know, we're like, shit. So he's dodged a bullet up. <laughs> So he just gives, walks in one day. Gives me something hey man, I have to yes. know. The same DNA. My, my little sister just does it for me. I have to go, Jen. <laughs> like, what? Mormon. He's no, all right. the one that started this trend on Pornhub. Shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. 
So the second no. engagement does yeah. not work out. ADHD. No. Please proceed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the pat like when I look back at my relationship pattern, there's like there's a, a formula to all of them. And I also like, went through basically there was not really a period of my life that was single ever. You know, I would roll out of one relationship right into another one. Um, oh, sometimes yeah. they'd overlap. Like, I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not, <laughs> not proud of it. But <laughs> um, so, you know, it's just a summer. I was just somersaulting through men. Like, I mean, you know, I like men. Men are fun. But, you know, they're just I wasn't finding anybody that I felt like could. I don't know, it sounds egotistical, but I, that I felt like could keep up with me. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, I was, there was always this pattern of everything great and then complacency set in. And I just, that's just not what I was looking for, quite honestly. Um, and so, so you didn't I. Date any grunts. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Um <laughs> Um, <laughs> did a couple. Um, so I was, um, so while I was at, oh gosh, where to start? So I went to Hood was my first duty station, um, after my basic course. And I spent three years there. Um, oh, you dated grunts from Hood? I, I, it's even worse, right? Like I said, I couldn't even admit it. <laughs> yeah, Hood's bad. Um, Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it's I, funny that this is the are, part you those, struggle talking about. And, and we don't take that personally, <laughs> but it's just fun to reflect on. Like, did an infantry guy? Uh, there's some skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us about poor Hood. Yeah, so Hood was Hood was All great. I'm saying is Hood's not the place to date a fucking infantry guy. <laughs> I know that now. Hindsight's <laughs> <laughs> 2020. God damn it. <laughs> wouldn't date any of us anywhere. Holy cow. Yeah. I didn't shoot for Air Force or SF. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I, I did. I, hood. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that part. Hold on. Yeah. Um, sorry, you made me take my glasses off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shit's getting real now. Shut the fuck up, stupid Well, so I'm at I'm at Fort Hood, and I guess my and it turns out I could not be in the more the lowest speed fucking maintenance organization on the face of the earth. I mean, it was the say. biggest, heaviest, like not going to go anywhere does the longest, most detailed jobs um, kind of thing. So they did like M1 engine um, or transmission rebuild, Hemet engine rebuilds, and just all this really heavy technical stuff. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this could not be a slower pace kind of organization, which was driving me a little bit crazy. So my company commander decided to make it interesting and make me the platoon leader for the platoon that had like 50% of my soldiers were in some sort action like active ongoing <laughs> investigation oh, and so i was just like what the fuck so she gives it to so i'm the platoon leader platoon sergeant's an e7 who is um fairly new as well and like he taught me to um shut my fucking mouth and learn 
And yeah. so, like, he was the best platoon sergeant I could have possibly had because I am a very great know-it-all. Um, and so I was just like, Mark Mark Swain was just, like, he was just the best guy I could have worked with at that point. And so I was, uh, I had 60, 65, I think, soldiers, um, one female NCO. She was a specialist when I first got there. One female NCO and one female chief. And we were the three females in this 60-something person tune. Um, and it was, <clears throat> that was, I mean, honestly, not a problem for me whatsoever. Um, I And I think, you know, oddly enough, when I kind of entered into these situations, it never struck me that they were male-dominated. Like, I did not I, see the world that way. Yes. <laughs> can I make a joke? It wasn't a problem because everybody at Hood is gay. <laughs> oh, Greg, no, he was stationed there for ten years. <laughs> all right, all right, Greg. But but tell us the joke now, Greg. Tell us the joke. <laughs> the best times ever Thank for Greg. Thank you for confirmation, Paul. <laughs> oh. Oh. <clears throat> um. Totally forgot what I was talking about. Um. Oh, so yeah. So, Females in the platoon. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And so um, we had, you know, across our whole is in, in the Ordnance Corps. But I um, I remember, you know, someone asking me, like, if, from back home, like, well, how does it feel around all those men? And I was just, I just remember thinking, I mean, just whatever, just whatever to me. Um, and it really wasn't until I was a little bit further along in my career that I realized that there was some imbalance, some difference just in the way that people were treated. And um, it was it was kind of an interesting I had never been taught that men and women capacity. Like I knew there were different, you know, maybe some expectations and like that, but um, I, I didn't even really notice it when I was going TC and it just hadn't been an issue prior to um, the way I was raised was just, you know, men, women, whatever, do the right thing um, or do the things that you're capable of. And so, um, you know, later in life, when I started to hear things about, like, I was, I was not a feminist way um, because I would hear people talking about injustice. What the fuck are you talking about? Everything's fine. Like I'm good. If I'm good, y'all should be good. Like I don't understand where this is coming from. There's no um, such thing as equal opportunity problems in the military. There's yeah. no, no such thing as sexism. <laughs> no, and I was just like, I mean, but it wasn't something that I was tuned into. Like, it just wasn't one of those things I was paying any kind of attention to. You know, it didn't, It why wouldn't I have been next in line for that, you know, promotion that yeah. everybody wants? You know, why wouldn't I have been? And I was. Like I was consistently picked for what I needed to be um, my entire time through my lieutenanthood, and um, I was I was a good performer. Um, and it was just it was kind of back to that same high school super good performer when it came to. But out of work, I was like a fucking sopping mess, like soaked in alcohol most. Of um, and so it was I mean, alcohol and men. I don't. And so, you know, I, that was when I started, um, that makes it any better though. Um, 
so we dated. He got deployed to Bosnia. Um, then I met my, um, I didn't meet him, but I decided, um, met my first husband. And he was in my unit and he SF tech. He'd been an E7 in um, 10th group, and then he was an instructor at SWIC. And he decided at some point that he wanted to be an officer. And so he went to um, through the program to get selected to that. And at the time, I don't know how it was anymore, but at the time, he didn't have to go through um, through college to get it. He just had to, um, it, at some point, finish it. And uh-huh. so um, it was a, uh, so he was a second lieutenant with, you know, E7, however many years that was at the time, I don't know, um, 14 or something like that. And then he um, became an ordnance officer of all things. And so um, he had, had a lot of respect and he was like a bright, shiny object to me. Like, that's what that looked like. <laughs> to me. It was like, that is bright and shiny and I like it. So now it will be mine. Um, <laughs> and that tends to work. So I like, <laughs> so I bagged him. Um, and I, you know, I, we living together um, shortly thereafter. Um, I dumped Mr. Um, infantry guy from um, 4th Infantry Division or 2nd Cav, one of them. And, um, I, uh, and so Scott and I got together and with, and then, but he, so I wanted kids. Like I was, um, I don't even remember how old I was, 24, I think at this time. And I was just like, I want kids. And, you know, Scott had had a vasectomy, so um, he was going to get that reversed and we were going to have kids. And that was the way that was going to go. My man was already, fuck this. He's yeah. 7SF. <laughs> yeah. And then, and so, and, and then I thought, well, we need to get married. So I browbeat him until he married me. Uh, um, and so I, I, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier. And so oh, you I, up for a little bit. what was that? I said, I think I mentioned earlier that developing some control. Issues yeah. Control issues. Know, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. So either way, like I saw convinced, like, and then, I mean, I shouldn't, if this comes out really coldly and this is my kind of cynical snarky take on what happened to be honest, but you know, what was, I really did. I loved him. I really, and I thought he was, amazing man and you know part of this like fantasy that i was that this was just going to turn out to be that picture of success that i painted in my head back when i was 13 like that's what i was really driving to create and it was not very mentally healthy when i my thoughts were going it was rather diabolical um so (laughs) um so scott and i get married and oh and and this is the best part I wanted him to be SF again, so he went back to the selection course. Oh my goodness! Yeah, oh. so that's that's how bad that got. And so <laughs> we, I'm not proud of this, but like, I, I mean, I those that don't know this, if if you if you are enlisted and you leave to become a commission officer, you have to go back through the Q course mm-hmm. selection and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then get selected, then mm-hmm. go through the alpha course. Mm-hmm. My goodness, you're diabolical. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so he did. Um, so um, 
So I got selected for, I went on promotion for some promotion. Um, and he, we got engaged. And so, um, but we needed to get married so we could get joint domicile orders to go to Bragg. And so um, we went to Justice of the Peace um, in Colleen. Um, like, it's so embarrassing to tell people that my first marriage was. Um, but, uh, so we get married, we do that. And then we go home, huge wedding, 450 people, insane amount of shit going on. And people ended up in the pool. Um, I was drunk before the ceremony started. And like, as I was walking down the aisle, well, there's always divorce. Like, that's what was going on in my head. I was terrible. We, I mean, that our wedding night was just horrible. It it was the probably the most awful night of my entire life. Um, after we left and went back to where we were supposed to be staying for our honeymoon, it just it got dark and ugly, and there was like fighting and um, like our first night as like it wasn't our first night as a couple, but it was like so, supposedly like the like a debutante ball kind of thing. Here's the couple happened and um it you know it just ended with us like feeling like maybe we should get divorced like maybe oh, it wasn't shit. gonna work and so um we were both fucked up out of our gourds though like i don't remember everything that said but we were both so fucking drunk um because he was this big alcoholic on um this he didn't judge me for my drinking um and so we uh both passed out at some point in this process, woke up, saw in our wedding clothes, um, and then had to go have brunch with my entire family and his that were, um, and so, you know, we put on a happy face and, and headed out and, you know, and, you know, and it was, it became this thing where, you know, we just agreed to forget it and move on. And, you know, really it just was like for, for our marriage, and I don't think this is true for everybody, but for our marriage, that was one of like the hugest warning signs possible that this is not a great idea, not a match oh, yeah. heaven, you know? And so, um, we, so, oh my God, like, this is not a very pretty picture of me here for, a um, so, um, I'm still doing really well at work. So when I head off to obese to, um, it was called, um, God damn it. It was called, it was not, it's called something different now, but it was the combined, I don't know, some sort of combined school where all. Yeah. Um, and so we're up at Cascom at Fort Lee and in the meantime, Scott's gone off to um, Fort Benning for whatever the fuck he's got to do down there. Oh, infantry officer. Yeah. course. And so he's down there and like within the that he's down there and I'm trying to get, I came with them and so we are both off and running to find other sexual um and so it's just really bad um so i had to for um do okay up there it's i mean it's fun we learn stuff um when we're going out to fort leavenworth for cast cube one of my good friends that i had met at fort hood um he and i had been just i think from like the third week we were there we just became really good friends and we're still super good friends today um he was at fort um knox he was a um, armor officer and so we went drove out to leavenworth together in my truck 
um, had a great time, came back. And I mean, the whole time I was like, I'm married to this guy, but I'm not with him. Like we talk maybe every day, most of the time, not maybe every two or three days. Like the marriage is kind of a, it's just kind of falling apart. And so we get back to, you know, all of our schools are done and we get to brag. I don't remember what Scott was having to go that particular juncture, but he's going through whatever course he's going through and we run a house. I get, um, assigned uh, to the core support group um, because I'm not, I can't do airborne school because of an injury. And so, which <laughs> um, that's like super fun to not have an airborne for brag. So yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> super that's fun. The worst thing. That's the yeah. worst fucking thing imaginable. <laughs> not jumper at Fort Bragg. <laughs> yeah. Super fun. Um, so I, uh, but so I was in the core support group and um, Scott got back from some, I think it was Sears school, maybe um, he got back from that and we were club drinking and that was kind of became a, so his best friend, was, I don't remember the position he was in at the time, but his best friend was one of the, I think it was a master sergeant, first sergeant, sergeant major, something over there at the time. And he, um, we go there and drink beer and then we go to the GB club and drink beer. And then we go to one of our houses for beer. Um, and so that was kind of the routine, the, especially on Fridays. And so um, one night Scott was on a night jump and um, I was at the GB club with Breck and we were just talking and laughing, doing whatever. And somehow we got separated. I ended up in this group with this other people, these other people. And long story short, I got super drunk and didn't go home husband and so um i showed up the next day at my house and scott was sitting in the garage with all my shit piled up in the garage and a half drink bottle of whiskey sitting on a long chair like something right out of every sitcom you've ever seen and he was just like i don't care where the fuck you go but we're not doing this anymore and I was like, all righty then. So um, I went and stayed at a friend's for a while and then ended up back, you know, ended up living with a guy that I had Scott with for a little and just like bad, making super bad fucking decisions, really bad. <laughs> and um, I was, I had, Scott and I had agreed to separate, like just separate for that time. He moved in. And so I had the house to myself and we had dogs. So we had these two Labradors, a black one and a brown one. And um, Scott was going to take the dogs, but he couldn't find anywhere to go. And he's like, my job, I really cannot have two dogs. I can't work. So it ends up being me and these two dogs. And I um, keep the house. And um, he, and then I'm like, whether he's waking me up in the middle of the night and like growling, like there's someone outside the house. I'm starting to look out. I'm like living by myself in this dark neighborhood. So I called for an um, alarm installer to come, and that was, and so I'm there by myself. I've got these two dogs. Scott and I are separated, and the installer's there on that morning, and um, I'm watching Good Morning America, and I watch the what happens at the Twin Towers. No And shit. I know immediately I have got to get my ass on base. Because <laughs> I've got to go now. And so I tell the installer, fucking lock up i will like i gotta go figure out what's going on and so um 
Six hours later, I made it to my office because the MPs had locked all the gates. Like you couldn't get in without a complete and thorough body cavity search. Um, like it was, they were just being really good about security. And so um, I finally get to my office and I walk in my boss. What, what's going on? And he's like, well, get just got um, put on alert to deploy. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> already <laughs> then. So what the fuck does that mean? I didn't sign up for this. Like, I signed up to fix trucks. What the fuck do you mean I'm going somewhere? Oh, and then like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Like all of that through my mind, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I'm like, okay, all right. And so we, like, we go on to like these, you know, 24 hour op cycles and we're doing shit. And um, in the meantime, I had had a, a woman's exam the previous week and I get a call saying, we need to do more tests. You've got, um, basically, you've got signs of cancer. And uh, so I'm like, no, I'm deploying. That's the only thing I can handle right now. Jesus. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, so, um, I go, I get a bunch of tests done. It turns out to be nothing. Um, it turns out everything's fine. Um, but that like mental added mental stress in that moment was like, it was a lot. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's a lot for anybody. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, and I'm getting divorced, like, yeah. so I'm deploying, getting divorced and, and, you know, and so Scott and I to kind of try to reconcile more before I deploy. And so we're like kind of reconciling. Um, and so I get so at, when we first went in where we started was in Uzbekistan. And so we were at um, this little base called Karchi Combat, Uzbek yeah. Air Base, basically. And so we landed there. And I mean, I got off the plane. Well, first of all, like it was like the scariest landing I was. Like, um, I'm not a terrible flyer, but like the, we went into land at this at the strip there at K2 and something happened and the pilot had to pull up and circle back around. And for someone who had not known a lot in her life, that was very scary. And so <laughs> it's um, like, always easier to jump out of a plane than it is to one. Yeah. So um, to this day, like landings, way scarier to me than any part of the entire flight on an aircraft. Um, yeah. But I, um, yeah, so we finally, we land and it's pouring down rain and it's just, it's a fucking mud pit. Like it stayed that way the whole time we were there way, but it was a fucking mud pit. And, um, and we're there on, at that point, like we didn't have dates. It was like, you guys are going and we'll fucking see. And so um, we were there and who had landed right before us was fifth group and 528. Um, support battalion and so we um we fell into support fifth group moving out and so yeah. we were like we were there to do that and then um so that they could let um go somewhere else and so we were <clears throat> that was what we were originally instructed to do and then that quickly turned into well we're going to make this home now um and so now y'all are in charge of that and so, and, and now we're going to go make a second home in Bagram at the same fucking time. So this is what we're going to do. And we're going to figure out at the same time, all the guys who need to have bullets in their gun and food in their stomach on a regular basis and figure out how to make all that shit go where it's supposed to go. And so I became the deputy physician um, for a little while. And so what that meant was 
filters over the radio for things like quantity one highlighter, you know, it's just like crazy <laughs> stuff that some team needed out on, a, you know, and we had one sixtieth there that was doing um, some of the operations. Had, um, they were having to do, I think they were doing air. Again, this is where my memory gets really fuzzy. Um, somehow these things were getting people. Um, I was making sure they got to the airfield. That was my, my handoff. And yeah, so that's quick, going on. Real quick, Dan, is uh, what's your, if you look down where it says voice connected, is your signal strong? Because you keep breaking up. Yeah, and, it's so uh, strong. It's green and has, let's see, it says 55 MS. I don't know what okay. that means. Are you using a headset? Nope. Nope. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. I move a lot. Is that help? Is yeah. that hurting? <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> I'll stop moving. Sorry. Very, very physical person. Damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like losing half the story now. I'm like, yeah, shit. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. All right. I'll You're stop good. Moving. You're good. You're good. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we're, <clears throat> we're there and I'm doing, I'm working probably 20, 21 hours a day. Um, like getting things established. There's like, there's just so much going on that is constantly needing to move and be attended to and fixed and organized and directed. And like, I'm doing all this. When we got there, there was just pallets of stuff everywhere, like everywhere. We had no idea. Um, moving all that stuff, consolidation. So, I mean, these are very simple problems and, you know, in comparison to a lot of other stuff that was happening at the time. And it was interesting to be so aware of that by being yeah. like, you know, connected to, you know, fifth groups who's doing its job and, you know, taking care of the things it needs to and watching the 160th birds take off every night. And, you know, there's real stuff happening. And I'm like, this pallet's in the wrong place, you know? That, that's what people don't realize, process. though. Everything that goes on behind the scenes mm -hmm. to support, uh, the guys on the ground and you're right you're right there you're you're the the first boots on the ground to provide mm -hmm. that logistical chain support like that's yeah. that's that should be a book in itself <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and it fucking was, nuts and and it was honestly it was so fun in such a like i mean there was so many things that we did that was surreal I mean, stupid shit. Like, I made this stupid Excel spreadsheet, which I'm really good at Excel, which is like one of the nerdiest things I'm proud of. Um, but I had this Excel spreadsheet, and in it, like, we're just trying to track. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be twins, dude. Um, <laughs> um, and I so I just, we have to track, like, everything that's happening and where things are going. I mean, like, everything. And we've run out of whiteboard. And so we're putting it, I start putting it into this Excel spreadsheet and I'm, and then like, I'm starting to request from higher commands that have been established, like, Hey, can we get a copy? And so we're starting to like send this copy up. Well, I fucking learn later that it's going all the way to the CFLIC commander and, um, they're reviewing it in his like general staff meeting. And I've got stuff in there, like, you know, fucking dumbass won't sign the hand receipt. Like, those are my notes in this fucking spreadsheet. And I'm like, oh, my God. What I can't that. <laughs> Turns out it was a bit of a source of entertainment. Um, nice. But, yeah, I just like, oh, my Lord. Um, so that was my first experience, like, really briefing higher up. 
like seeing my <laughs> calling out their lieutenants for being dumbasses. Like, so, <clears throat> um, we ended up, I spent almost 10 months there just long enough to have an air force C-130 rotate through twice and make fun of me for being there still. Um, I had, uh, we left in, God, I want to say, I don't know. I can't even remember my, but yeah, that's, a, that's a, that's a, it's, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a long time. Yeah. 20 yeah, years. A, 20 years. That's a, <laughs> that's a very beginning. Like without your, and, and, and it's, it's crazy because mm-hmm. without your support and the, the gears moving back there, like we don't get Mm-mm. the, we don't have the bath. We don't have the mm-hmm. horse soldiers going out there and getting those first critical fucking kills. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. this is like part of like, like shit, like you, you stood up bath. Like I've spent mm-hmm. many a nights in that, uh, those transient mm-hmm. barracks waiting to get the fuck out of that place and go yeah. back out to a nap station. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean that was a whole crazy. There was just so much that that place needed in the beginning, and you just you could not get enough everything that that base needed to be constructed moved to that base. Like it was a logistical nightmare. Like that that is the definition of a logistical nightmare. Um, Because there was always always competition for priority of load and trying to get things. It was a lot of relationship building <laughs> to yeah. try to negotiate things. Let me ask you this. Uh, all those years later, how did it feel when you saw the news of Bath pretty much just being handed over to the Taliban? Yeah, how surreal was, was that? Very. I mean, and for, I think for me, for multiple reasons, like, I mean, first of all, that my life is so completely different today that that time, that entire time period of life feels surreal. Like it, and in part, because I'm, I'm not around people where I live that understand any of that. So there's not really anybody even to talk to about it, if that makes sense, that would like even understand why that, like, like why that part of my life feels different. Yeah. Um. And so it's, uh, yeah. So that's. I mean, that's been a thing I've started to even look at too. So, um. But yeah, I mean, it's like thinking about it because I. I mean, I. I'm. I'm really bad at watching the. News. I'm very sporadic. At it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not missing much. <laughs> no. And so I. I wasn't even really aware. On. Um. And I think Daryl said something about it in one of our talks. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, if you like check the news and he sent me a couple of articles and I was like, this is, yeah. oh my God, this is so weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was there when that was con- being constructed. Like, how is this even? <laughs> um, yeah, just such a weird thing. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, honestly, it's it, again, like in some ways it feels like, like, this sounds so melodramatic, like it's happening to, but, um, you know, like it is this kind of thing that's both, you know, part of who I've been, but, you know, and definitely part of who I am now also kind of separate. Um, I don't know, yeah. not like a very like stoned comment. Sorry. 
Man, no, um. it, 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 it's like watching an ex-wife uh, or husband get drug out in the streets and beaten. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to think about it. <laughs> Not one that you've reconciled with and yeah. uh, have made amends with, but uh, uh, like um, a college ex-girlfriend that <laughs> <laughs> that you really was like, yeah, oh, was man. I cool with the ex-wife thing. That'd be fine. <laughs> I've made I made up with my ex-wife. Uh, it, so I, like it would be like a, you know, like the the rebound girlfriend that I had, <laughs> immediately following my divorce. Like, uh that sucks. But hey, <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> I would throw on support <laughs> gear and I would praise them. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing that wrong. You can do better. Oh, oh man! So after that deployment, what? Where Watch do you go next? Because she has a gut. <laughs> <laughs> no. So from there, I mean, I went back to Bragg, and I my divorce had been final while I was deployed, and so, um, and I had um, hooked up with so. I, was, I had hooked up with a um, <laughs> with an NCO, and we, <laughs> we were going to. I had a a, a thing for enlisted men, um, and so that's um, it, Greg. <laughs> yeah, and so I um, right after he left, so he got sent back to Bragg. Um, I his friend of his came up, and he was like, "He's married." Uh, fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I was like, you know, what? I think I'm going to be single for a little while. Um, yeah. And so I, um, yeah, so when I got back to Bragg, I went back in, you know, went and found a house and I moved in. I got my California, um, came, you know, and I was just kind of doing my thing. And I was, and we were just going out and we ended up at this party this night and I met my next victim. I mean, the next <laughs> that I would be engaged to. And, um, you know, and we got engaged and then, and everything was great. Like he was a great guy. Um, he was a skydiver and, um, he and I just, we had a fun relationship. Um, and I was just kind of doing my job at Bragg and I was bored. I was like, this is nothing like England anymore. Sucks. I don't want to be here anymore. And so thank God for our, um, because that started to. Um, once again getting deployed and I um, I ended up going as an individual lucky mucker that oh, and so oh, you, you, uh, you broke up real quick you, did, no, so you so I got, yeah so I got picked to be an individual mentee to go to CENTCOM okay and so which was just not what I really wanted to do. Um, and so I was, uh, I kind of fought with my commander about it and, um, lost <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and so, Cause you know, I'm confused. <laughs> and so, um, either way I go down to Benning and, um, Gross. I, I'm down <laughs> there for, so, and then of course I had to get the smallpox vaccination. And they, um, and that was when they were like, I think first maybe starting anthrax. I don't know, maybe for, I don't know, but I was anthrax shots too. So, you know, of course you're not supposed to be on any 
vaccination. And so they put me in a room with three other people. Um, and so it was just this weird kind of scene. And they didn't know really what they were going to do with me, just that I was some, going somewhere to CENTCOM. And so nice. I we get on a bus to McDill, and we get there, and the C5 shop picks me up. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing in the five shop? Like, what does the five shop even do? No and one knows. So, <laughs> like, I don't, I still don't know if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and so I, but long story short, I get There's sent to. <laughs> <laughs> so I get sent to the embassy in Doha, Qatar to work as a liaison. And um, so I have like tremendous guilt at this because most of my friends are in like in Iraq going through weird shit and I'm like living in a four star hotel in Doha Qatar um with my own phone and my own car and pretty much all the freedom I could possibly Yeah, um, having a great and, old time. Yeah, and I don't have to wear a uniform. So um <laughs> like it's great. And so I um I was there for about nine months again. Um but th- it was significant that I was there because that was sober. Um, weirdly, weirdly happened. And it kind of started because my my fiance, when I left, he was like, hey, you know, would you just do me a favor and just not drink while you're there? And I was like, I was like, why? And he's like, well, because Say when less. you drink, like you just like, I can't, I don't feel like I can trust you. And I was like, all right. And so what I did was I promised and I truly authentic. I promised him I would. Two weeks after I got to Cutter, I called him drunk off. Oh, shit. <laughs> and when he asked me why I drank, for the first time in my entire life, I was on said, I don't know. And I, he was just like, you know, well, if you can't stop. And I was like, I don't, I can't. Like, I just can't. If I have the opportunity, I'm going to drink. And so that was like my first clue that I had a little bit of a problem. You know, that the first time I admitted I had a little bit of a problem, I should say. And so I, um, I kind of just started drinking again from that point. And, um, I drove drunk in Doha, which was a stupid, bad idea. That's a bad idea. (laughs) Seriously bad idea. Um, and so, you know, I, I got, I was at a party one night and this guy had shown up at the embassy and he'd shown up at the embassy. He wasn't there. was there doing a And so he started hanging out with everybody. In, and so we ended up in this guy's apartment. And I had gotten a ride with him because we were in hell. And um, that night I was, I was getting to like, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Like perfect state of drunk. Where like, yep. it's just the best. Never been there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're not too drunk, but you're not just constantly right? chasing that dragon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was too. I, like, I thought maybe if I drinking, I could it. Um, never worked. I've experienced that for about two seconds, but then you know, yeah. some more bourbon and away <laughs> we go. Go. yeah. No, and so like I was feeling that, and so this guy, like, hey, uh, you ready to go? And I said the most shocking thing. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and so I left. <laughs> I don't know. I still to this day don't know why I I could ride home any number of ways. Um, but so either way, we get home and like we're ta- he's talking. 
Like I can hear him talking at me and I don't people talk at me. And so I'm kind of ignoring his ass. And then I start to realize that he's talking about drinking and he's talking about my drinking and he's making some comments that are not sitting well with me. Like I'm alcoholic and I might have a problem and all that stuff. And so I'm like, I start tuning in to and I start to realize that everything he's saying is and that I need to do something different. Toxic individual. Well, he turned out to be incredibly toxic, but what he did do was like, that was the last night I ever had. Um, he, he did, um, say what I needed to hear in that moment. And, um, I don't want to tell the rest of that, but he showed me, like, he got me where I, um, needed to be. And for me, that was awkward. And so he found me an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in Doha Cutter, which you're not supposed to drink in for those of our <laughs> listening audience that doesn't oh, yeah. know that. <laughs> so, um, and so I. The big no no. <laughs> you know. Culturally. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I. <clears throat> so I started going to these AA meetings and I get a sponsor. It's not a great um but i get a month sober while i'm there and i do by the skin of my teeth i'm not actually recovered i'm just not drinking um and so i i'm headed back to brag at all right now get back to the at the end of the meeting they're going to want to hug and at this point in my life i am not i didn't want to be hugged and so i'm like mentally prepared for this thing to and so I go back to Bragg and I spend about a week on much depressed and not feeling like I'm going to do anything in my life ever again. Um, and then I like go to a meeting and um, I brace myself at the end of it because they're going to fucking hug me and I don't want to. And nobody fucking hugged me <laughs> and I was <laughs> devastated. They clearly didn't love me. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> super twisted thinking at this point in my life <laughs> uh, no that's the... <laughs> oh, um, I don't so... want you to love me god damn it why don't you love me <laughs> I know oh my god which I later learned entire relationship I ever had um, but the other thing that had happened to me um, you know kind of in that process of um, of getting sober or just before I got sober was I had decided, um, well, I had decided in college, I was rebel against my parents. Catholic, And so, um, I did that. My second, I officially became Catholic. I'd worked through all of the catechisms and all that bullshit, um, that you got to oh, no do. Shit. Um, yeah. So I was like a good Catholic. Um, I celebrated my baptism and getting drunk and having sex. So, I, yeah, I think I did it right. Um, <laughs> I'm Irish too, by the way. So like that all factors into this. Um, I, I kind of feel like you're an Irish Catholic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so either way, I, <clears throat> I'm in the second deployment and I get sober and now I'm like, all right, now what a life and um, <clears throat> didn't really know. But I did decide that I was probably going to get out. And um, I was just like, you know, I've, I've 
have lost one marriage to this career. I'm not really, can you, you know, cause I was going to blame the career. It was clearly not his cheating or my cheating or the, definitely the army's fault that we divorced. Um, and so I, um, decided I was going to get out and my commander and the commanding general at the time, like they tried to convince me to stay. Um, they were like asking me all the questions. What would you want to do? And I was like, well, I'd like to be deployed. And they're like, great, we can send you to over to the special ops command and you can deploy as much as you want. I want to do that. And then I feel like they'd make me get an airborne. Test. And so, um, I didn't do any of that. And I got out. Um, I was recruited by a company in Iowa to work for them, which I loved everything about the job, but it was in Iowa. And like, who the fuck wants to live in Iowa? Um, Nobody. nobody. (laughs) And so. um, (laughs) (laughs) So I, I ended up, I, I mean, they recruited me and they brought me out five interviews and um, lined up where I was flying all over the country. And, um, I got really fucking sick here. Um, like really sick to the point where I couldn't fly and I couldn't. And I always say that I took the job that I did for days because like, I just don't know how I did that in a rational mind. Um, but the, so I, <clears throat> I moved out here in early, fuck what year was that 2004 I guess when I got out and went to work for I was running the maintenance department in a and so I had like 20 union dudes that worked for me um and it was it was a fun job like fix boilers and I got to crawl around and and, you know like it was it was a good job um I started like I started I like I did the a person AA like two dump trucks meeting in the night, you know, for a little bit of romance. Um, so that went well. <laughs> um, and then I met my son's father. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I, and I was, what happened was with this job is I just didn't see where this was going. Like, where am I going in this job? I'm not going to run the for the rest. Um, and I also got my first, um, my work, my first work discipline, like official discipline, yeah. um, because what was going on was I was having a really fucking hard time transitioning out of the military. Um, when I got to here to Cedar Rapids, when I moved here, I spent the first two weeks just laying on the couch. Like I didn't have to start work right away, but I was so severely fucking depressed. Um, I, I didn't know how to deal with people outside of the military, quite frankly. Um, I, so I was approaching my job, like in the military where like, you know, you know, what you take it, you bring it back to the greater part of the, whatever you're doing. And that was what I had done for the longest time. And that's how I treated my work. And as it turned out, people in my work environment, didn't appreciate that. They wanted <laughs> me to ask them how their cat's new kittens were and yeah. give a fuck about the 400th picture of their grandbaby <laughs> and like sing fucking kumbaya with them. Like that was not where my mind was at all at that point in time. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
I have work to do. You want me to get personal with you? How dare you? I'm I'm pretty sure I don't like any of you. Like, why would I want to do that? So either way, I had, so my boss put me on a and I was livid pissed. And I was pissed because of what I felt like was there was a repeat of that experience I had had as a cadet in Korea where like someone observed something going on, but didn't fucking say anything about like make it big and so um and he i felt like he ambushed me with and and so the difference this time for me though was that i was willing i was willing to um like take ownership of what was going on i wasn't going to blame anybody else and it wasn't you know some external fault because you know i went home and i called my small and so, and I told him that like, this was going on and he was just like, he's like, well, are they fucking right? <laughs> I'm like, you fucking dick. That's why you're my sponsor. All right. Yes. And so, you know, he and I talked it through and he was you know, like, he perspective on it. So I went in the next day and I just said, all right, I'm going to do it, make this right. And so when I quit that job six months later, my boss was like almost teary eyed. Cause he's like, we just got everything supposed to <laughs> like, Oh my God. You know? Um, but I had been recruited by, um, a aerospace and defense company here in town, um, to do the logistics support planning for a, um, revolutionary army program called future combat. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. It was no big a deal. Huge, huge program, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I did, uh, I did all the logistics um, support planning for all of the um, software stuff, and so and communications systems, I should say. And so um, I did that for a while, and then, and in the meantime, I had met, I had met and married my second husband, um, who was a union pipe fitter. So he's a very kind of blue collar guy, um, outdoorsman, hunter, you know, all the nine yards, and I. Yeah. Um, we decided to have a kid. Now he's already got, and so I have two preteen boys and now I'm embarking on having, a. and I still have my two Labradors kids in the house. And I now have, I was supposed to have which is full suburban house with a white picket fence, two dogs with the SUV in the garage. I have a six figure salary that I'm, and now I've just had this child. Um, and so like everything is like in my book, everything is the external vision of success that I had created and inside I am dying. Like I am so fucking miserable. I've got, um, I've got GERD, like I've got stress migraines. I'm a little bit over like, and then I'm too skinny. Um, you know, and I, it was just a disaster. And, um, my son had been born months premature. Um, he was very, very early. And my ex-husband had pretty much like decided not to show at all for like well over a week. Um, just like, it just was not a marriage. And I really tried to make it work. We were married. Um, but at around the seven year mark when I was, I was working at, um, that company and I had the opportunity to go for myself. And so, I seized it. Like I just was like, I had done like so many things in corporate. I mean, I'd led a union team. I'd gone, gone in and I, you know, done huge logistics support planning for these huge programs. I had done 
business development for a while. So I brought in, you know, multi-million sales basis, and then into strategy, you know, market entry reports and data analysis and all this stuff for how we were going to strategically grow into new countries. And I plans and I this is like I did not like wake up and join this life to become a paper pusher. All I do is like I get paid entirely to to make PowerPoint. Like this is yeah. boring. Like there's way fucking more to life than this. And so um I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so when the opportunity came up, do it. And so I approached my ex my now ex husband and said, um, you know, this is what I want to do. And he looked at me said, not no, but fuck no, are you going to do that? I like my life. I like what I've created. I like what you're in. I can change. And so that was the night I knew we were going to divorce. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> we stuck it out for another six months um, where I left my job, new business. I um, And then about three months in, he was like, all right, how can like flush, where's the ROI? How can I money back? Um, which he hadn't invested in, by the way. Um, if my wife threw ROI at me for changing jobs, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, a fucking yeah. capital project. Let's let's go have a chat about oh something. Oh my god, else. yeah. And so <laughs> he, um, and I mean, y'all know how good ultimatum tend to work. Right, especially oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely should be yields all the time. Um, yeah, he gave me an ultimatum like either I stop working so many hours, or um, god, I can't, it was like something stupid he was gonna do, but either way, I was just like, no, I will, I'll erotic asphyxiate myself. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably, um, gentlemen, but... we've come full circle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, it's, <laughs> we are we are definitely gonna have to do a two parter. This is I know. Great. I'm sorry. <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't talk so long either. Uh, Jennifer, the the best episodes are the ones where we have to say, "Holy fuck, we gotta do a two part." We cannot <laughs> do it. We can't do your just. We can't do your story justice by wrapping way now. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's like we have to do a two parter. This is. This is where we do the uh, stay tuned to the cliffhanger. Because <laughs> <laughs> people are going to be like, what? Rushing right now. Oh, my gosh. Totally talk too much. Oh, oh God. This is, um, fuck, dude. Like, um, you throw away a lot of stereotypes that uh, are, you know, sadly, is still really prominent. It we. We don't, we, we never, this is a story that we never get to push out. The, we always hear the male side. Oh, I wanted more. I had these crippling, painful, uh, fucking addiction problems and would run from relationship to relationship. And you are like, like, no, fuck that. I'm a human being. Like, this can reply to everybody. This is not, men don't just get to co-op fucking things up and chasing after dreams. Like, women get to do it too, damn it. Equity fuckers. <laughs> we, can, we can both fuck up our lives. Come on. For the revolution. That's the real equal opportunity. Like, we can all oh fuck God. our own lives. I just want to point out, too, Denny's awesome point of, 
all the two-parters are the ones that are awesome for the multi-segments. They're also the ones where the three of us are the quietest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't don't read too much into that, but ah. <laughs> you're, you're literally um, uh, you. If your experiences. You talk, then shit. I'll, I'll tell you right now. There there have been some episodes where uh, it it draws on. And some of us are like, I've got things to do. And we just leave. (laughs) It's happened. Paul drops off. Greg falls off. (laughs) Like, I had something come up. And then, guys, I I don't drop off. I just don't let go of the belt on time. (laughs) Oh, God. I have to tell you, Jennifer. the similarities in the life lived, it, it's, it, it's, it's shocking because right yeah, now I mean, uh, I'd, I'd engage you right now. It just knowing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> knowing the things that Greg has struggled with, that I've struggled with, that Paul has struggled with. Um, fuck, Greg and I are no uh, strangers to searching for that love in the wrong person, and <laughs> and finding ourselves in a situation where like. <laughs> I'm such a piece of shit. I need. Uh, I think I'm gonna do a divorce. I think I'm just gonna punch out. Like, <laughs> like I, I can't tell right, you. First, um, <laughs> my <laughs> mine was exceptionally justified. <laughs> All right. <laughs> she was she, a hoe faux show. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when your ex-wife has sex with the entire lineup of Limp Biscuit uh, in Fayetteville, it, it's oh, time really? to. Say goodbye. <laughs> I that'd be a cooler story, bro. I wish that. Happened. <laughs> I, I'm feeling fucking horrible. I'm feeling left out. I had my own decisions that I failed on. Like I said, 15 year old dad. That's that says a lot right there. <laughs> That's actually uh, the next Netflix movie that we're pitching to Netflix. Fifteen year old dad. <laughs> <laughs> I what just learned about wrong? masturbation. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Not again. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I I feel that we've all had that that struggle with alcohol. Um, I I have been very lucky. I've danced with that issue, but never um, gotten to the point where it has taken over my life. Uh, gotten close. I I embrace my issue. <laughs> We're working through it together, Gregory. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely want to leave the audience hanging on for for dear life because we we've got to do another episode. We gotta we gotta cover this in two parts. This might be our three so, part. Uh, uh, <laughs> God, I hope not. Oh, y'all don't need that much of me. Oh, but trust me. I've enjoyed your company. (laughs) (laughs) This has been one of the best ones, and I can't wait for uh, to continue the story. Well, Um, I feel like I have to be in competition with Tim at this point. So, oh shit, yeah, he's Tim has our 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 highest rated uh, podcast uh, (laughs) by far, and kudos to Tim because he's not your everyday uh, human being. Uh, His story is remarkable and uh, uh gripping and that's mm-hmm. just the edited stuff mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of stuff we had to edit for legal reasons 
Well, and I would just tell you that like he said something in the second part that just like that was one of the reasons that I went and got a for PTSD. Yeah. Like something that he said and I was just like, that's fucking me. And like, and so I, you know, I think, you know, you guys kind of, but you just don't know going to touch somebody and be the thing they need to hear to move. That's the fucking truth. We, we don't know that. I think the whole premise and the whole reason why Greg and Paul and myself uh, want to continue doing this is because we want to be able to help. Uh, I know Mm -hmm. we're all in various stages of healing and our journeys vary but the one thing that is consistent is there uh, we fucking need each other <laughs> there's a consistent <laughs> amount of love and 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 camaraderie and i hope that comes out sincerely mm-hmm. to everybody out there because even though the audience isn't in the love triangle between greg paul and myself uh, in you're in our hearts and in our loins <laughs> And other places, should you choose. <laughs> Check out our OnlyFans. Yes. As we always wrap up, please go to our OnlyFans page, gregfeetpicks.com. Hold on. And, are, we uh, gonna do a, are we going to do a random Greg versus Paul before we end this? Oh, shit. We, we need to do it. I'm sorry. We completely. All right. Greg. Pers- I'm here for one reason. <laughs> should our livers right. just fight? I think I'll win. <laughs> Here it is. Well, yours, Greg yours, yours is probably I don't, I don't screaming and pass with flying colors, you piece of shit. All right. Here it is. Greg versus Paul. I hate to do it, but we're going to do 9-11. Go back and stop it or Aww. go back and make it nine, uh, 911 times 911 more. times a thousand. <laughs> Paul, you, Greg, you get to choose which side you'll be on. Oh, God. Make it worse. <laughs> So I gotta stop it. You gotta stop it. Yeah, go and shoot them while they're training. I already answered it for you. I'll just shoot down any uh, civilian aircraft that gets goes off its flight path. <laughs> I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, Security Off Podcast. You one degree, motherfucker. You're fucking dead. We'll be just never. Paul just did it for me. He's going to be so focused on crop dusters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. 9-11 will just become the day that all aircraft did not fly. Paul just did it for me. <laughs> I would just... Uh, that's exactly what I would do. I would initiate fire on all active aircraft to deviate <laughs> in the slightest. So, essentially, you have the U.S. government fucking droning down goddamn planes left and right. While those unfortunate planes still hit their fucking mark. Oh, yeah. Uh, Imagine that uh, familiarity flight for uh, the Girl Scouts of America. Just, all right, girls, let's take a tour of D.C. (laughs) (laughs) We we essentially Uh, just affirmed every uh, 9-11 conspiracy right there. (laughs) It was a Tomahawk <laughs> missile. <laughs> Remember, tonight, when you go to sleep, if you're listening to this, use your positive control harness to sleep as if you're being hang- hung. <laughs> so, Hillary hey, Clinton. hey, 
<laughs> some of us are hung. <laughs> and some of us are not. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> uh, hanged, is, uh, hanged is the correct term. Hanged it. Hinged. Hanged it. Hung it. And the uh, dick jokes have it back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, Jennifer! Thank you so much for being on. Uh, I will. Yes, Professor Jennifer Jen Murphy. You are. You are forever wait, wait. now part of our family. Uh, <laughs> Yay! We need <laughs> Jennifer. We need Jennifer. We do you have your doctorate? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh fucking oh. God! Yeah. Doctor Professor Jennifer Jen Murphy. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Professor. Oh. <laughs> This is how families are made. We, we, <laughs> we was... need a book plug, though. So what? What? Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Before we, before we, we have to plug the book. I have it here. Give me one second. You got plug other it. things. Yeah, Jennifer Murphy, oh, Doctor Professor Jennifer Murphy. She is an author. Jennifer Jen Murphy for <laughs> professionals. <laughs> the art of living dangerously. The Rebel's Guide to Thriving in a World that Expects You to Conform. Go Do on you want to know how the Rebels took down the Death Star? They read this <laughs> fucking book. You have to read it. Go to Amazon right now. Right now. Stop wasting your money. It's by Porkins and Red Five. Yes. This is the only book that's formally allowed to be shared amongst Taliban members. It's a... Uh, Oh, lucky me. <laughs> so, but seriously, um, I, I can't wait to read it. I've already bought it. It's a uh, pending delivery. So then we can do a book review. Then we can have you on approximately like three or four more times. Talk about the book. So yeah, forget your schedule. Forget what you're doing on Sundays from now on. You're part of this family. Um, oh my goodness. This has been amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, please go check out Dr. Professor Jennifer Murphy's book, The Art of Living Dangerously. <laughs> and with that Jennifer being said, Jen Murphy, but whatever. We are out. <laughs>